Amen. If you would, grab your Bibles and go to the book of Galatians, but I am not continuing the series tonight. I got thinking about it and I said, uh, I want to do Galatians chapter 5, that's next on the list, and I said, how do you do Galatians chapter 5 and shorten your message so that you can do uh, a baptismal afterwards? So I said, let's condense something else, and uh, I got looking, and as you look through the book of Galatians, uh, there's certain oddities that show up in the word who, and who shows up repeatedly, and uh, I think on purpose in the book of Galatians, and he talks often about the difference between the people that are around uh, the church of Galatia, and in contrast, he contrasts those people with who Christ is, and so tonight, uh, basically, I'm going to ask you, who who will you have? Uh, Which person do you want around you? Uh, Which person do you want to be the one to influence and to change and to work in how things go? Uh, over and over again, repeatedly, we saw it uh, already in the, in the book. We've covered the first four chapters, and we saw it twice already in that question. Uh, there's a third one that shows up later. Uh, but let's start in Galatians chapter 2, and we'll move around throughout the book, and I'm going to try to be brief. I don't want to preach long. I want to give us some time and some time to fellowship after the baptism and things and congratulate folks. So uh, I don't want to keep anybody late tonight. But Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 1, Paul is speaking to the church and he says, Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Uh, the first folks that show up are right here, uh, but he's going to have a few groups that he talks about negatively and how they've negatively influenced the church at Galatia, and then he's going to talk about what Christ has done for us. Uh, and he's, he's got that in different places, and I think he contrasts them very well throughout the book. Uh, and early in the book, he sets the stage for exactly who Jesus Christ is and what he has done in contrast to what these folks have done. And so we're going to look at that, and I'm going to just ask, who, who do you want to follow? Who do you want to have around you? Who do you want to be the influence in your life? Uh, because Galatia, the church of Galatia, has let these people be an influence to them, and they've let these negative influences come in, and it has damaged the church. It's damaged the individuals as well as the group as a whole, as a church, and it's causing them problems in so much that Paul has to write and tell them and ask them certain questions about what is happening and why that is happening. And so let's have a word of prayer and just who will, who will you have around you? Uh, Father, I thank you for the night and I thank you for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that we've heard about even tonight that can wash any man of their sins. And Father, I don't know who's saved or lost in this room, but you do. And Lord, once again, we pray that if they are lost, they would call upon Jesus Christ to save them to the uttermost. Uh, But Father, those that are saved, I pray that maybe they've got some people or some things that are influencing them in the wrong direction, 
And Father, I pray that they would see that they need to get closer to their Savior, Jesus Christ, and eliminate some of those things and those influences. Father, I pray you'd bless those that are being baptized tonight. They're making some great steps of faith tonight, and I pray that you'd bless them for it. And Father, we pray that you would get all the praise, the honor, and the glory. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And so uh, once again, here we are in Galatians chapter 2. And the first group I want you to see are the spies, and those spies have come in. And what they have done is they're spying on, obviously, Paul and Titus, and they're looking, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to find a way so that they can get them into the place where they have to fall back under the law. They have to put them back out of liberty and back under bondage. We've talked about that before as well. Uh, But this is the group, and he's going, hey, uh, who are these folks that have come in, and they've come in who are here to spy, out our liberty. They're looking for us to have a problem in our liberty. Uh, They're looking for issues because they want to put you into the bondage of what they want you under as opposed to what the liberty is that Christ gave us. Look back at at, uh, chapter 1 here of Galatians. Galatians chapter 1 verse 1, Paul says, Paul an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Notice that again, who? What did he do? Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Jesus Christ became the sacrifice. See, this group wants to spy out your liberty, and Jesus Christ became the sacrifice to give you liberty. Uh, They want to spy it. They want to see if they can put you back under the laws and the regs and all the things that they can possibly get to make it so that you are constrained into the box they want you to be in. And the Lord says, no, I gave you liberty. I'm the one who freed you from those things. I was the sacrifice for all of mankind. The Bible says that he died not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The price of the redemption is there, and the look at trying to put you under, and tonight we're going to do baptism. We're not doing baptism to make anybody saved or more saved. They're not going to be any better on salvation. They're going to be wet. That's about it. Uh, So what are they doing? They're demonstrating this thing right here that God gave them liberty. That Jesus Christ saved them forever and they want you to know that's who they want to be with. They're going, hey, who do you want to be around? Who do you want to have influence you? Those, these three that are getting baptized tonight, their answer is, I want Jesus. That's who I want. He's the one who gave me liberty. He's who I want to identify with. He's the one who made the sacrifice and I'm identifying with his sacrifice to pay for my sins. I'm not trusting in my church, I'm not trusting in a religion, I'm not trusting in all these things, I'm not hoping that I'm going to be good enough, I'm not even trusting this baptism, I trusted in Him already and I have eternal life, I just want you all to know, I have a Savior and He's my Savior. That's the whole point of baptism, I won't get into that too far, but uh, the truth is, you can either go ahead and try and have the spies come around and try and keep you in bondage to whatever it is and worry about what everybody else thinks that you do. The fear of man brings a snare. I was talking to some, some pastor friends of mine. We were chatting a little bit, and uh, we, all, we asked the question of each other. One of the guys asked the question first, and we were all kind of just talking about it. And have you ever been in this situation where you were preaching, and you thought, boy, should I really say that? I mean, what's so-and-so going to think? 
You know, we go and, and I preach at other churches. I'm at somebody else's church. I'm there, you know, and I don't want to say anything negative or anything bad that would put him in a bad place. I don't want to do any of that. But the fear of man brings a snare. It keeps you from saying what God would want you to say. Too many times you know what you are in your own life? You're in a snare because you're too worried about who's spying on what you're doing. Well, if you're doing right and you're going to suffer for it, Peter makes it very plain, that's no problem. Go ahead and suffer for that. Suffer for righteousness' sake. If you're doing evil, don't do that. You deserve what you're getting if you're doing evil. But if you're doing right and you suffer for it, that's no problem. If they're spying you out and they go, well, I just don't like that you're a Christian. I don't like that you go street preaching. I don't like that you witness to people. I don't like that you speak up about the same. Well, that's fine. Get over it. Uh, that's, not, that's not my problem. That's your problem. If they're looking at you and they're like, quit stealing my stuff and quit lying to me and quit cheating me out of these things and quit, well, then that's your problem. You need to fix that. That's not what the Lord told you to do. You see, they're spying and they're looking and they're looking and going, well, wait a minute, how come you have freedom to do that? Well, because he set me at liberty. He set me at liberty. Liberty to do right. Liberty to live the life that he wanted me to live. He set me free from the bondage of sin. What are they trying to do? Just spy out and make it so you have to do it their way every time? You know, tonight, uh, Brother Andrew, has he's, he's got a schedule. I like that he has a schedule. I did that all the time when I was leading singing. I'd do the schedule and I'd look at Pastor and I'd go, hey, preacher, what do you think? And he would just, he wouldn't even look at it. He'd just be like, yeah, whatever. And, uh, and then when he wanted it changed in the middle of everything, he'd tell me, uh, no, don't do that. Let's, let's, you know. And I'm like, I showed it to you for, no. Um, and uh, Brother Andrew does the same thing and then I do the same thing. I go, I don't care whatever you got going on. I don't know. So I just, just let me preach, all right? I just want to get up there and preach. And uh, I'll do the announcement thing and then I'll preach and I'll be happy. Just you lead this. You wave your arms. I don't want to wave my arms anymore. That's good. Uh, and you say, what, what do you do? Well, then I look at it and I go, oh, and Andrew, he's flexible. You know what he said to me tonight? He goes, hey, you want me to cut one of these down so we can have a little bit more time? I said, yeah, please. And then he did. He is nicer than me. He is nicer than me. And uh, he goes, hey, you know, you want, me to, you want me to eliminate one of these? Is that, you know, what do you, what do you want me to do? And so we did. We got rid of one. He, he's gracious. He just does it. And you say, why, why, does he, why does he do that? He does that because I give him liberty. Pastor and I give him liberty. We want him to have that. But he also understands the one who gave him the liberty. <laughs> he's not responsible for how the service goes. That's Pastor Legault. That's me. That's, that's what we're supposed to be here for. We have liberty in Christ. We have that liberty. And then he says, only use not that liberty for an occasion of the flesh. They say, we're not supposed to go to the wrong area. But when it puts you back under bondage, when they go, oh, no, no, you can't do those things... Uh, you can't, you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you got to go over here. And, and by the way, if, if you came in tonight and you're not wearing the right things, and if you're leaving here later and, and you don't say all the right things, you're in... Who does that? That's bondage. That's bondage. That's not the idea of having a standard. The Lord will give you some standards, and I think that's a better place to be in, is have some standards. And if you don't have any, borrow someone from someone else who has some, and then find out if they're good or not, all right? Uh, but... Either way, you understand they're coming in to spy and that fear of man starts snaring people. 
start snaring people. You go, wait a minute, the Lord told me it was okay. Well, then don't let them put you back under bondage. Don't let them put you under bondage. You and the Lord are all right, then guess what? doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter. Look over at Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to move on, I think. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 1. He says, O foolish Galatians, look at these folks, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. So what do they do? Uh, there's some allure there, the bewitching. Who hath bewitched you? Kind of alluring, kind of spellbound, that feeling. These folks try to allure you to do what? To follow them instead of following Christ? The allure is there. You know what it makes it sound like? It makes it sound like they say all the right things, and by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Oh, foolish Galatians. That's simple. You say, what are they doing? They're bewitched by it. They're drawn in to what is being said because it sounds really good. You can make a lot of things sound really good, just ask the news. Oh, it sounds so believable. Yeah, except when you're looking at camera angles and then you're looking at how they want to present the story and they skip over these pieces and they move those. You can make anything look good. We can go to the Scriptures and we can make anything sound good. You know what's scary? You can go to the Scriptures and give half a verse and you can make things sound really good. Until you get Scripture with Scripture and then it doesn't sound so good. And people get foolish. And they get allured away from the truth. They fall in love with what they've heard and they think that it's going to be great. I've stumbled upon this great new thing that nobody else knows. Except they've got three verses that they run around in a circle on and it has nothing to do with the truth. And we've got 12 verses that disagree with what was just said to you. There's a problem. You need to figure out the context of the verses that don't match all the verses that you know. The scary truth is that people get deceived and they get pulled into those. They get allured into those things and they get pulled in and they think, oh, well, this is great. This is a good idea. This, I mean, I see it. Right up until you see the other five verses that didn't match what you were talking about. And then you have to go, okay, wait, whoa, what's right? The sad truth is that too many people don't want to see the five verses because they don't want to see the truth anymore. They're so allured and they're so bewitched by that person, by that, by that little story piece that they got and the little tale that was spun in front of them and that gets in front of them and all of a sudden they go, I can't see anything different. You know, it's one of the hardest things to do, even as I am. It is hard to consider another point of view. It is. Uh, Jim White, I like him. Uh, gone home to be with the Lord Evangelist from years ago now. Uh, I like to, you know what he used to say? He used to say, the Lord has a problem changing my mind. What makes you think you're going to? Uh, right? Uh, he's got a hard time changing my mind when I've been taught something and I, know, and I think I know something. And then you look at something and you look at something over and over again. And then you go, is that actually right? Maybe somebody allured you. Maybe there was some bewitching that you should not obey the truth. 
But I'll tell you this, when you get to the truth, you know what you'll have? Look back at chapter 2, verse number 20. I like this. He says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Look at this. Who loved me. And gave himself for me. You say, what goes along with allurement? Affections. Realize it's either going to be the choice that uh, they've allured you and they've tricked you and they've pulled you away, or you're just going to keep falling in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's either going to be, I know he loves me and he's got what's best for me and he's going to give me the truth and he's going to keep me there and I'm going to be able to be, be solid and know that he's going to give me the truth, or you're going to get drawn away. And the things that they want you to believe and the little twist and the spin, and you're not going to be able to pay attention because great peace have they which love thy law. The entrance to thy words giveth light, and the words of the Lord are pure words. And you get into that book and you find out what the truth is. You realize, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, he says that the love of Christ constraineth us. What keeps us doing the right thing? The love of Christ. You know, sometimes, I, let's be honest, sometimes you don't love the brethren, do you? Sometimes you don't love them. Uh, you don't like them, and you barely love them, if you even love them at all. So what keeps me doing right? The love of Christ constraineth us. And we judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. If he loved me enough to die for me, maybe I ought to love the brethren, because he asked me to. He commanded me to. Well, then maybe I should love the brethren. Maybe I should love the things that he loves which would include his book. You see, you can be allured away from all the things, but if you're in love with the Lord Jesus Christ because he loves you, the affections of Christ will be able to hold you into place. They'll constrain you into the place you ought to be in. How do we get that? How do we get out of place? I'll tell you how you get out of place. You get out of place because you love you. You know what happened with that allurement? That bewitching that they were doing? It's that they loved themselves. So they wanted everybody to think good of them. You know, fools want to make themselves look real good. Right up until they're found foolish. They get bewitched and they get turned around and things get kicked sideways and upside down and they don't know what to think and they don't know what to do. And why? Because they didn't have any truth held down. The things that you and I get to hold to are the truth. And the truth is that the love of Christ constraineth us. It keeps us in the lane we're supposed to be in. It keeps us the witness we're supposed to be, the testimony we're supposed to be. It keeps us reading our Bible. It keeps us praying. It keeps us in the right course, going down the right road so that we can go to the right place and do what He asked us to do. Say, how do I get allured away? Because you quit loving Him and you start loving you. Get allured away. Why? Because they make you feel good. They heap onto themselves teachers having itching ears. 
And they're going, oh, I just, I just need something new. I just need somebody, just somebody to tickle my ears and make me feel better about myself. You know, pastor was preaching this morning. That was a whole bunch of negative. I mean, it was so mean and terrible and awful, right? That's what he said, right? And he goes, well, yeah, that's, that's the Bible. The Bible's two-thirds negative. That's what it is. You get somebody who is always preaching to you how great and wonderful and amazing you are, you are in the wrong place. Say, why? Because you're not great, amazing, or incredible. You're not. There's a reason Christ had to die for you, because you weren't that great. He had to save to the uttermost, because if He didn't, you wouldn't have made it high enough. That's the problem with mankind, is that we're sinful and we're sinners. But the problem that mankind wants is they want to feel better. And you're in a society today where everybody has to make you feel good, and if you feel good, then they must be, they must be your friend. Except that faithful are the wounds of a friend and the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Oh, you mean bewitching? Deceitful? Alluring? Pulling you in? Absolutely. Well, I don't like people telling me all these negative things. I mean, why can't you just make me feel better about myself? Maybe I ought to live better the way the Lord wanted you to and you'd feel better. You see... If pastor gets up here or I get up here or somebody else gets up here and they preach and it has nothing to do with what you do or don't do, why do you feel bad? What difference does it make? That shouldn't make you feel bad. If he's preaching on something, he's going, oh, you know, the preacher's up here and he's preaching hard about witnessing and you were just out witnessing the day before. Why would you feel bad about that? You'd be encouraging him. Be like, yeah, preacher, that's great witnessing. We love doing that. You know, oh, yeah, amen. Praise the Lord, yeah. And you'd start shouting them down. Reading your Bible and praying and doing all the normal things. There's no reason to feel conviction if you do it. Well, you wouldn't feel bad. You'd be encouraged to continue. Maybe the problem's not with the preacher. Maybe the problem is you're allured too much. You've been bewitched for far too long. Galatians chapter 5, because I'm going to move on. You can either have a spy or a sacrifice. You can either be allured or gain the affection. Galatians chapter 5, look at verse number 5. It says, for, though we, uh, for we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you? That ye should obey, not, that ye should obey, uh, not obey the truth. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You got the hindered folks now. Those that are hindering. What does that mean? That means they're slowing you down from running the race that was set before you. The Lord laid out a race for you to run, a course for you to take, and something slowing you down and hindering you. Paul looks at the church at Galatia, he says, who did hinder you? Who's keeping you down? You know, I preached a message at Youth Ablaze, I preached it here before that, on that uh, rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler, right, he's got, he's got wealth, he's got power, He's got some status. 
He's got some wisdom. He's got some righteousness. And he comes to Jesus. He's already, I mean, everything is set up for this guy. He has all the potential possible of gaining and being everything he is supposed to be. He's got it right there. And the Lord goes, I love this guy. That's what it says. He says he looked on him and he loved him. And he says, you're, you're lacking one thing. Sell everything you got and come follow me. And the kid goes away sorrowful. Why? For he had great possessions. Now, who did hinder you? That guy had a great chance to do better than anybody else. I think he had all the right fixings for right, the right start in the right spot. He got to the right place. He was right there with Jesus, and he missed it. He failed to reach the potential he could have had because he was hindered. And in his case, he was hindered by his possessions. The love of money is the root of all evil. He loved his stuff more than he loved God. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you've got other things that hinder you. Maybe it's not your stuff. Maybe it's your status. Maybe it's not your status. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's not your family. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's not your friends. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's not your job. Maybe it's just you. Because you won't give up any of the sin that you want to hang on to. I don't know what it is. But you know something is keeping you from reaching what God wants you to be. You know if there's something hanging on and you just, and it's the weight that doth so easily beset us. And it's, it's not stopping you from running. It's just hindering you from running. It's not a complete stoppage. I mean, you're not quitting on the Lord or anything over it. But it's enough to hinder you. It's enough to slow you down from running the race and running it with patience and being able to finish your course with joy. It's the thing that will make it so that you're running slow enough that you just won't quite get the job done. He says, who did hinder you? I don't know what's hindering you tonight. But look back at Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to try and close up here in the next few minutes. Galatians chapter 1, look at verse number 13. Paul says, Galatians 1, 13, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers, but when it pleased God, look at this, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus and so on. Down he goes to finish the story of how he got the revelation. You say, what did he get? Instead of a hindrance, he got a help. So what kind of help did he get? He got somebody who showed up, separated him, and then called him. 
And when he called him, you know what he gave him? He gave him all the truth that he needed. He gave him the revelation that you and I are looking at. The revelation of the church of God is given to Paul. The revelation of what you and I believe and why we believe it and why we hold it was given to him. And it was given to him so that he would not be hindered. He was called and enabled. You see, if you want to be enabled, you can be enabled. You can have help from Him. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Well, if I don't have Him, I don't have it. Jesus Christ's name, without me, you can do nothing. We can't get the job done without Him, but we seem to think that we can and we can feel hindered, but don't worry, we'll push through and we'll get it done. No, you won't. You're not going to do it your way. Your pride and your arrogancy and the way that you want to handle things, it's not going to get done in your strength and in your might and in your wisdom. We love, we love to go ahead and go, well, you know what, if I could just come up with the right plan and the right program and we can organize things and everything will be great and then, of course, it's got to produce because so-and-so did it that way and that's what it produced. Your salvation wasn't that way. You didn't get a whole lot of wisdom and go, yeah, I'm amazing now, I can do this. Our walk isn't that way. We go, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Help me not to make a mistake. Lord, help me to keep walking. Why? I need His help. It's His wisdom and His understanding and His mercies and His grace that is able to go ahead and lead us in the path that we're supposed to walk in. And too many times, you know what we do? We let our hindrances slow us down, and He tells us how to get rid of them. He tells us how to get victory. He tries to help us overcome all those things, and we decide we don't want those things. We want to hang on to them. We don't want a victory. We don't want to go that direction. We would rather be hindered and just barely keep everybody else around us happy here at the church that they think we're good rather than get what we need. Who do you want? Who do you want? Do you want the spies and the allure and the hindrances? You want all those things piled up in your life? You can have them. The Lord will let you have them. You can be concerned about what everybody else thinks of you and you can go ahead and get sucked into all these other things and not pay any attention to the truth, and you can go ahead and fall in love with all these weird things and get hindered. Or you could recognize the Lord made a sacrifice to give you liberty and that He loves you with a great affection and He's willing to help you gain all your victory. Who do you want? You, you can have either one. The Lord wants you to be separated and called and enabled. But it's on you if you want it. He didn't make you trust Him for salvation. He's going to make you serve Him. It's not how He works. But He'll give you all the tools to do it if you'd be willing to submit to Him. Let's go ahead and stand.
and have them come. Maybe, maybe tonight you say, I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't know that heaven's my home. Paul makes it very plain that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us. He gave us salvation if we want it. The free gift of eternal life presented to us as a gift from Jesus Christ. If you want it, you can have it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Maybe you're in here tonight and you're saved, but you've been hanging around and listening to and having a hold on some of the things you shouldn't have. And you need to return to the place where you remember the sacrifice he made for you and the love for you. And maybe you just need to fall back in love with him so he can help you out. Take your time tonight. Take your time. Father, we thank you for this time. Pray you would bless the invitation to him and bless those that are going to be baptized in Jesus' name.